This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of well doc I hope you are looking after yourself in isolation there self-isolation well done after your trip to the usa that was the responsible thing to do Gordon, yeah, how's it going? Um, you know, one's got to uh, take precautions and, and I guess do what you need to do, you know, not just to look after yourself, but obviously everyone around you. So yeah, I'm phoning in um, from my home study with Zoom, as I guess millions of people are around the world uh, getting used to working at home. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons we've got a bit of a time uh, limit on this today. Apparently, the Zoom link is crashing all over the world because it's just overloaded. Everybody is working from home. It's, it's, it's crazy. But we've got today, and I feel a little bit like, I was going to say the lonely little petunia in the onion patch, but I actually feel like the lonely little onion in the petunia patch. But we have with us today uh, Ku Governor, who's the CEO of the, the Dentsu Aegis Group in South Africa, but more particularly uh, today here as the chair of the Advertising Media Forum. Ku, thanks so much for making the time. I know it's been a crazy week for you as well. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to this interview. Well, let, let's get straight into it. I mean, you know, talking about advertising media forum, you know, my old alma mater when it used to be the media director's circle. Well, so for me, I really see it working in terms of cross-learning across those two groups of people, should I call it in terms of what the global agencies are doing and what the independent agencies are doing as well. Yeah, that's very encouraging for me because I think, you know, having spent some time out of the big league, so to speak, uh, it's always difficult to be be kept up to date. So it's really good to see that uh, that kind of sharing activity is still uh, taking place. I mean, we've still got bodies like the, uh, the Abstract Club, which is essentially the freelancer group, which I think uh, – sits really out in the limit would benefit from that kind of sharing are there are there any plans to to have a more open forum i mean thinking back in the old days if we had a monthly meeting i think every every third meeting or once a quarter was an open meeting which uh, involved people even if they weren't uh, inclusion 
So, so that's what we're looking at. And unfortunately, we, we, we're having a workshop on the 6th of April to actually look again of the mandate of the AMF. At the moment, the mandate is we're looking at education, and I'll speak about education and research, because research really impacts the media agencies as such. So, um, uh, so those are the two big areas that the AMF focus on is education and, and research. And Gordon, I just want to share in terms of the challenges that media agencies are facing. And, 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 and so I would assume it would be in the marketing field or in the creative field as well, is the traction of people coming to work for media agencies we're really finding a shortage of staff in the media agencies and how staff actually move around. You know, you'd find people at one, at one agency for a year and then in another agency, the other agency has acquired a big business and that person moves around. And that's where the shortage of staff happened. And I think for us as an AMF, how do we start educating people from tertiary and grade 10 to grade 12, where they're choosing subjects to tell them that the media agency is actually quite appetizing and appealing in terms of coming to work for a media agency or a marketing or a marketing um, industry as well. And in speaking about the marketing industry, a lot of our clients are poaching our staff as well. So that's a massive challenge for media agencies currently. So, 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 so for us, the drive is, how do we start attracting um, students to the media agencies? So this year, what we did was, which was the first for the AMF, was we basically looked at seven students who had financial funding problems. So what we did was we actually paid for their remaining studies at the university, which was UJ, University of Johannesburg. They were in their final year degree or diploma. So what we did was we, this is what we look, we're looking at future-proofing the agencies. And um, we interviewed the seven students. They were really good students. And we said, let's look at sustainability. It's about one thing is paying for their education, but the other thing is how do we create, how do we keep them in the system? So some of the media agencies, Densu Aegis was one of them, that we actually offered internships for these students. So, so that's what the AMF is looking at in terms of sustainability of, um, having, of looking at internships for creating aspiring students to become media planners and media strategists or eventually CEOs of agencies. Doctor, I mean, you, you've been on the receiving end of, of media agency work for a long, long time now. I mean, do you discern some shift in uh, competency? I mean, uh, you know, or are we, are we are as good or as bad as we used to be from your point of view? Yeah, Gordon, I don't, I don't know if... If I see a massive shift, and, and I think who your point is that people do move around, and I think you know, as accounts move, be it creative accounts or media accounts, people tend to move as long as those skills, in my view, are retained in the industry. In other words, you know, if a person's at agency A and then goes to B, and, and maybe over a period of time C, which is not uncommon, as long as they grow those skills. And I think Gordon, it's very similar to the discussion we had a few weeks ago with Parmesan Mudlier from uh, Amasa, and, and we spoke about the ongoing need for education. You know, because just the last point I want to make as a client, you know, we're so reliant on 
experts in the discipline, you know what I mean? An expert creative person, an expert client service person, an expert media planner, strategist, etc. that I certainly look at uh, in terms of, of the cost and, and, and the pressure on corporates to downscale and perhaps reject jobs. You can't sit and second guess whether the person has the, the needed skills. You know, the people have to pitch up uh, and continuously educate themselves. So I think I'm all for education ongoing uh, and, and don't mind people moving as long as you, you got that, that sort of merry-go-round of skills that, that are also with your current agency. Yeah, I mean, you've used You know know, what's happening? You know what's happening? And I'm agreeing with that. So I'm happy for the fluidity of people growing within various media agencies. But clients or on the marketing side are actually poaching them. So we as media agencies, we don't pay that fancy salaries. So from 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 a staff perspective, they feel the client side or the brand side is more sexy and glamorous and well-paid. So we've got to be very careful as media agencies to retain that of empowering and equipping our staff to, to, to retain that staff, um, the, staff, uh, the staff count on the media side. Yeah, look, it's, yeah, a, it's a bigger problem. I, yeah. and I've also, sorry, Gordon, if, if I can just make a comment. I've seen, I have seen that happen. You know, I've certainly seen on the client side paying perhaps higher salaries uh, and people in both media as well as, say, client service would be tempted to move over from the agency to the client. But on the other hand, I've also worked with a client where we actually closed down our in-house media area uh, and, and that person then moved back into what is a traditional media house. Um, so, yeah, you know, it depends, I guess, on, on how many jobs are being taken in-house by the client versus, you know, the traditional job of the external media agency as a specialist agency. For me, the, big, the bigger issue is it's, it's not just a question of poaching of people, but it's, it's of challenging the entire business model where you've got P&G and uh, Anheuser-Busch and some of the big, you know, sort of, Groups around the world are, are just moving not only media in-house and not only media buying, but creative as well. So, Ku, I mean, from, from your perspective, you know, what's the counter offer? Why would a PNG or a Unilever or any one of these major, major groups um, stick with a media agency when they feel they can you know, take the competencies in-house? And, and link that, I think, for my, uh, from my perspective, part of that is, there's a feeling that ad fraud is a major issue, uh, hidden rebates, any one of a number of things which appeared in the K2 report. And there seems to be a, a consensus amongst clients that they, if they can control these things, they, they have a better sense of where the money is going. What, what do agencies still offer a, a client you know, who, who's thinking so, of going so, in-house? So I think let, let, I want to take a few steps yeah. back no, because cool. I think firstly, I think the agencies need to reevaluate. We need to look at our model because I think that that is the first step. And agencies need to reevaluate in terms of how they're actually repackaging, how they need to repackage and re, um, restructure the organization. Because I think from an agency perspective, we need to be more agile and more, res- uh, and more responsive to what clients want to offer greater value. And that's where clients are looking at it and saying, the agencies are not offering me the value that I, that I want, and they're going with an in-source uh, modeling. And, and I think, and sometimes on the other hand, the agencies are focusing um, more on uh, lowering their cost to be more competitive than looking at 
business results. So we have we have actually two problems. And so clients are looking at and then saying, am I looking at an agency that's uh, with the lower cost, but they're actually not giving me the business results that I want? So maybe it's more effective for me to have it in-house. And on the other hand, they're looking at media agencies and saying, no, you're too clunky, you're hiding the rebates or there's ad fraud, I'm going to take it out in-house. So, so it is two extremes offered. And I think as agencies, we need to be more proactive in offering um, solutions to our clients from, uh, because everybody's looking at, uh, you know, bottom, uh, uh, bottom line results and business results. So as agencies, this is what we should be doing uh, before clients look at insourcing or helping them to insource from an efficiency perspective and growing their business that clients see it, that agencies are still beneficial in their ecosystem. So, I mean, something like a JV approach, I mean, ecosystem is, is, is a word I love because, you know, maybe that's the thing. We need some sort of a fusion where both parties have, a, have an interest in, in the media capability. Absolutely. Doc, you're the, you're the big driver of efficiencies. I mean, yeah, I, I think Gordon, it was a and a while ago, Gordon and I were chatting about perhaps how the world of selling and buying services has changed. And certainly over 20 years, for argument's sake, you know, you're dealing far more from a governance point of view now with procurement as a, as a discipline. And, and I don't want to diminish that function at all, but often that function is around brands and cents as opposed to buying the needed skills. And when I look at, at negotiating or chatting with a creative house or a media house it's very different in terms of using you know my experience and my skill set as opposed to just bringing in rands and cents and i think it's it makes it tougher i guess for someone like yourself who's now talking to people who perhaps don't who haven't grown up in that discipline don't have an affinity towards media or marketing and it's really about an unemotional sort of look at just rands and cents is is that sort of your sense of it so, so you know, um, uh, Doc, you said something so pertinent. You know, when we look at the way uh, pitches are being uh, done, I think pitches now, the, the life cycle is three to five years, but it's the procurement guys that are running the pitches. Mm. And if I look at how, and being on the client side previously, and now I'm on the media side, before clients were looking at, you know, we were still looking at innovative, groundbreaking stuff in terms of, what the brand really needs. And I feel now it's all about the rands and cents. I totally agree with you. And I understand the rands and cents and the efficiencies and in terms of um, the ROIs, in terms of things that were lost, you know, where we did mass marketing and now it's all um, uh, specific audience marketing. I get all that. But with procurement bringing on those um, those huge rands and cents and, and also their compliance issues, really, it, it's very difficult for media agencies to be agile as what they're supposed to be. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, I've had the issue with that, in that you know, uh, I, I just feel uh, that when, and, and, and again, you know, we, we are, for the benefit of, of our listeners, and, and I guess you could, because you may not have listened to that podcast, it's one thing buying a commoditized item. You know, it's very different buying IP, services, experience, uh, all of that stuff, which is exactly what you buy when you buy that, that whole combination of creative and media. So I, I have a massive problem when too many 
procurement people have too much power in the final decision. I, I fundamentally disagree. And what I'm not saying is that it's just a free for all and one should have absolutely no rules. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to find that, that mixture. I think the pendulum swung too far to the other side. And I understand, and, and, and I think we're saying the same thing, I understand the governance issue from a procurement perspective, but the essence of what happens in these pitches, um, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's another story altogether. And also the cost of pitching, uh, Doc, it's really, really expensive. Yeah, so can yeah. you imagine the cost onto the agencies in terms of their pitching costs? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Yeah, part of the problem with pitches, and I've sat, you know, participating in them and managing them, is that all too often you, you the pitch is directed at the process rather than the outcome. So, you know, you, you're pitching on, on the cost of delivering a process rather than uh, a stake in the outcome, which maybe moves me into the next space because we've talked about other factors. So how is media, what are the plans for AMF to get media back into the high ground in terms of uh, the creative aspect, the strategic aspect? So for instance, we've got the the shift from the old Apex Awards, the new launch of the EFIs. Does the AMF have a game plan for for engaging in EFIs in terms of the effectiveness awards? I mean, you've got the Amas Awards, the old Roger Garlic Awards. Um, is there a, a general sort of a approach to this it's been kind of hallowed turf, you know, that we, we kind of back off these things and the creative agencies are supposed to drive this. But more and more, if I look at the cost of engaging in FEs and, and uh, Amas rewards, um, it's an expensive cost. Is there a JV approach that we can start reinvesting back in proof of return on investment? Um, um, Gordon, that's what, you know, at the, uh, as an AMF, that's what we want to do. We actually, as I said earlier, we've got a workshop on the 6th of April. And I think those are the things that the AMF need to make a stance on in, um, in terms, I, I agree with the FE awards as well, in terms of the effectiveness awards that, that brands see how important media is and the return on investment with media. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite impressed with you having a, a massive meeting of that magnitude on Van Riebeck Day, but I guess that's uh, another story entirely. The 6th of April, if I'm not mistaken, was the Van Riebeck Day? Yeah. I'm assuming that's just a coincidence. Yeah, so so that that's what we're looking at from an AMF perspective. And I was hoping that this... Um, hoping that this would be uh, later than that. But um, what we're looking at is the role of the AMF uh, again and what's their mandate and uh, and and uh, as you said, you know, it used to be the media direct circle. How do we now put our stake in the ground as the media agencies? Because there's various, various issues um, that are affecting or challenging the media agencies. Like the one thing that I, that I can speak about is the long payment periods. Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't even don't go down that. I mean, I'm already banging my head on the wall. Yeah. So if I go offline, it's because I concussed myself. <laughs> so, so those are the things we're saying. You know, we as a as a body, how do we all collectively stand together with with things like that? The cost of pitching, um, and also um, from from uh, from a challenging perspective, we spoke about insourcing, but also the consult uh, consultancy space is also chewing into into our pie kind of thing. Yeah, so let, let's bring it back then to the skills aspect because one of my concerns for a number of years now has been that as these things become more automated, 
the expectation that South Africa is the gateway to Africa is increasingly not correct. I mean, if it's all me working on a database, I can just sit in Dubai, quite frankly, with a bunch of data and plan from there. You know, it doesn't follow necessarily that I'm going to be here. So bring it back to skills. If a master does the training, you've got a, a learnership program. What we need, and you used the word earlier, continuous what plans are there for some sort of a CPD, continuous personal or professional development program where somebody who arrives in year one is continuously building the skill set in year two, three, or four? It seems to me we train, we drop them in, and then we are shocked when they leave to go somewhere else. But no, who's nurturing? And, and, and does the AMFC a functionality for itself in nurturing young people beyond the initial learnership? I don't think that's the role of the AMF. I think that's the role of each media agency uh, in terms of how to how to empower the uh, how to empower and equip their staff for a continuous journey in um, uh, a continuous journey of how they're navigating through the media agency, be it one media agency or another media agency. And I think that's what we, as the AMF, in terms of uh, heads of media agencies, are responsible for. So I don't think I don't think it's the role of the AMF, but I think it's the MDs of each agency to do that. But I think we can take learnings by sitting on an AMF on how we do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what then? Coming back then, what is the role of the AMF? I mean, lobbying. Um, you know, we've been through torment in the last two or three years with respect to BRCs and PRCs and establishment surveys and MRFs and. MASAs, not to be confused with the AMASA. Um, <laughs> where does the where does the AMF stand in terms of you know developments around the establishment survey maps? Um, are you participating actively in technical committees? Are you even being invited to sit on technical committees to decide these crucial things like on the currency of of media going forward? So, so initially when I started, I said the AMF mandate is education and research. So we have Ashish William, who heads up research from an AMF perspective. He sits on, on some of the forums, and we play a very, very active role in terms of the research. And I know there was a, a MAPS uh, meeting that ha was going to happen tomorrow. Unfortunately, it's been cancelled yeah, I believe so, uh, due yeah. to the coronavirus. Yeah. So we play an active, active role in that. And, and Gordon, to your point, I think the role of the AMF is to future-proof the media agencies. And, those, and that's the stance that we're taking, be it research, be it what education, be it whatever. But I think that's the role of the AMF. How do we future-proof our media agencies? And by future-proofing the media agencies, we've got to have future-fit people in the media agencies to do that. Yeah, I think I think that's a crucial point. Uh, and as we sort of begin to to wrap up a little, I want I just want to bring us back to one of the issues, we, you know, which is a global concern, um, which is that issue of of ad fraud. Um, if your clients are lucky enough, or you are lucky enough to have clients who are members of the the WFA World Federation of Advertisers, you get amazing insights into global best practices. Does AMF have any any uh, best practices, documentation, white paper, which would map out. I mean, we used to have at Media Director Circle, for instance, a code of of practice which governed your relationship with media owners. It was 
uh, it dealt on uh, ethics and just general functionality. Are there any sort of white papers in the pipeline which will help young people to understand what is an acceptable best practice, particularly in the buying and selling of, of space? We do have that, which we, we call it our MRI, our memorandum. So we, we definitely have that and we actually action it. Gordon, if we feel, and, and I don't want to mention who the media owner is, you know where media owners go, and I'm giving you uh, an example, says, if you spend with us, um, you could win a, uh, the competition is a cruise or competition is a trip overseas. Immediately on behalf of the AMF, we would send an email to that particular media owner and say, this is unacceptable. Uh, can you please retract this competition? And I must be honest, uh, they immediately apologize and retract that. So there are compliance issues and governance issues in place um, uh, with regards to that. Well, that's really good news. Doc, I mean, you know, obviously you, you're the guy who spends the bucks. Do you have a view? What is, what's the sort of bottom line when it comes to managing your agency um, and in the knowledge that they've got to place your money you know, in the best way to protect your interests rather than in, in engaging in their own best interests? Yeah, uh, good. Again, you know, and again, you and I have had the benefit. And I think the interesting part of some of our discussions is there's a constant theme, you know, and, and the thing with a constant theme is one needs to act on it. So people who are listening, in Q, you were speaking about CEOs and managing directors of agencies. These things are constant. One of the constants is trust. And the other constant is ability. In other words, I need to know that you have the innate ability inside of your organization to manage my money. And two, I must trust you. And I think, Gordon, for many, and I mean, obviously we always had the reports, and, and I'm not saying that it was just kumbaya and, and we trusted everybody. That's not what I'm saying. But I can tell you right now that for most of the year, we spent in terms of trust and belief that people know what they're going to do and that they're constantly evolving and we, and we were lucky to have dealt with big agencies um but at the end of the day when we do pull a report or call for a report or internal audit in our case we call it you know the numbers must stack up because that's the point where suddenly the trust gets eroded or you start asking questions and the challenge is let's not in any relationship let's never get to the mm. point where people have to ask a question you know, so for me, it was always a question of saying, guys, are you capable and are you trustworthy, like with any relationship, and then off we go. And and in part of that, the, the, the responsibility for the big sums of money that we would pay over, often in retainer, would be, I'd assume that you're upskilling on an ongoing basis, and I'm assuming that your people understand ethics and understand governance, et cetera, et cetera. Firstly, I just want to say, Doc, I really like what you're saying because, you know, as an agency, we go into with a client, it's a partnership and a partnership is based on trust. So I think that that is a crucial thing to understand from an agency to a client perspective. The, the fundamental thing is trust. So I agree with you on that because that's how a partnership yeah. works. So because I don't think it should be a supplier and, and uh, a supplier relationship. It's a partnership relationship. Well, again, I think that's a really positive point on which to leave it, Doc. Um, do you want to do the wrap-up? I'm just going to invite, uh, before the Doc wraps up, just going to invite anybody who's listening just to um, subscribe and or just send us any questions you might have that, that you know we can direct to Ku on your behalf. And then maybe, Ku, when you've had your big meeting on the 6th of April, give us some feedback and we'll feed that back via uh, the platform cool. as well. Okay, thank you so much. Thank Lovely you. Chatting. Doc, you want to do a wrap for us? You know, 
No, just a, just a quick thing, Gordon, and, and just as I'm, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking and, 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 and thinking about the clothes, I mean, I guess the big issue we're all chatting about now is, is the global virus. That's not, no secret. And you just look at the media that is being sacrificed now. I look at just sports sponsorship as a whole, all those events being put on hold, and I was watching that we cannot fulfill our mandate in terms of what you've bought inventory because the games aren't being played in the slots. So what do we do? Now, of course, you can whip out your contract and say, well, you're in breach of contract. But is that the way to do a partnership when this is not something that has been caused by any media house or, or brand? So I think, Gordon, you know, I'll leave you just to say the goodbyes. But I think that's just a final point in terms of it's easy to say partnerships, but uh, it's difficult when the chips are down. And when there's billions of dollars at stake, then you see the true value of a partnership. Absolutely. And speaking of partnerships and the chips being down, where the chips are down, the time is out. And just for those who are tuning in and there's a bit of a disrupted feed and I can see it disrupting on the screen in front of me. Um, we're not in studio, so if there have been disruptions uh, in the feed, uh, it's a global problem as I understand it. So many people online working from home that the, the Zoom uh, link is is coming up and now but Ku once again thanks so much uh, for, for joining us Doc great to see you and thank you for being the responsible partner and uh, staying at home in self-isolation we'll see you next week take care ciao and so that was another episode of the Doc and the Guru please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook like us follow us uh, subscribe to the podcast and then from my side you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn Dr. Doug Mataz I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.